Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan, and we're back for episode 117. First and foremost, we would like to give a round of applause to all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So a new wrinkle that we are adding to begin the podcast is, what is one or two ways the Lord has blessed you last week? That being, we air our podcast on Mondays and occasionally on Tuesdays. So we want to hear about how God has blessed you last week. So I'll go first, Daniel. So I was blessed in two ways last week course this being Monday morning so the way God has blessed me in my 10 years of driving I've only been given a summons for traffic twice in New York which is unheard of especially before the driving I do I've been pulled over twice only twice now the court date was supposed to be the 22nd of but for some strange reason the court date has been pushed back to 2024 January 18th now this is a positive thing because I was given that ticket in 2020 and the goal is that you want to reschedule it as many times as possible right so you can push it back every single time the different court dates by doing that further and further less likely officer is going to appear if that's the case then automatically the dismissal is more likely to happen because they are not they are not there to actually say that you did what they said in the report and why you're there in the first place now another thing is when these officers come in they have to sort of recant their story you're allowed to ask questions the judge obviously has to listen in and by pushing it back as further as i can they might not even remember who i am they may not actually remember who i am and we can mess up just the secret of events this is how it can be seen positively now the second way god blessed me this week I had an issue with my car. One of the spark plugs actually misfired. And as a result of that, I got a check engine light. So I went to AutoZone to get a reading for my check engine light. And the guy mistakenly didn't return my ID. Now, I know we got caught up talking about anime. We was talking about Naruto. And I believe what stirred up the conversation is that I had a Naruto shirt on. So that can happen. I've also had an avatar shared on before and these sort of things spark conversation, which is why I'm a big fan of wearing certain shows and t-shirts that come from those shows because I'm a big fan and you know that's an easy conversation. But anyhow, the guy mistakenly doesn't give me my ID and I drove for the next two days with no driver's license and I didn't even know. And the good thing is I wasn't pulled over for it. And I was able to safely drive by Friday night, retrieve 
my lysis from AutoZone. And I actually felt good because I didn't have to buy a new one and wait in the mail for it. So I consider these two things to be a blessing. And moving forward, I encourage everyone listening to reflect at the end of your days to see what God has done for you. You may see it in a huge way or you may see it in the smallest way. But trust and believe when I say that God is in your day and he's giving you favor at some point. So don't overlook the hand of God in your life. But most importantly, you want to pay attention. So Daniel, you don't have to give two, but when you look back over last week, how has God blessed you in some capacity? I woke up this morning. Okay, that's one. And I woke up yesterday. Okay, that's two. There you go. All right. So let's get started with prayer. You really were just going to give me those two answers, Daniel. You didn't have nothing else that you were blessed with in some capacity. I don't think you understand the real value of my answer. No, I do. I just thought maybe there was something else unique and different that you wanted to share. Trust me, I understand your value because he woke me up yesterday and he woke me up the day before. So I'm also thankful for that as well. But I would have thought maybe there was something else. Gave me another 24 hours. All right. I hope I'd be thankful for that. Okay. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we are in tough times in 2023. Lord, things have been tough for a lot of people in so many ways, and I know you are aware of that. I pray that you give those who are in need comfort by providing for them. I pray that you give them strength to trust you, even when it seems like it's impossible. For Lord, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. I pray that you make a way, even when it seems like there is no way. Scripture provides a reason to trust you. Therefore, I ask that you give all of the courage to trust in the testimonies that happen. After today, moving forward, I ask that we become mindful with our words and choices. And Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So continuing with the Gospel of Matthew series, we move on to chapter 7. And the opening of this chapter is a highly discussed topic. Last time we covered a portion of this topic in the archives was actually episode 24, Judgment and Forgiveness. Now today we are dealing specifically with judging others so let's begin this conversation of course then you are welcome to join in and provide any insight that you see necessary your opinion this matters here and we want to encourage people also that upon what we discuss you're open to having this conversation with yourselves and we want to plug in the facebook group that we have is called i'm a believer i'm a believer you are welcome to join and be musically encouraged to other the believers that are in the group. We appreciate it and we hope that you come aboard so that we can strengthen one another in our time of need and humble one another when things are going well. So, 
let's discuss the passage, but first we need to actually have someone read it. So, those following along, go to Matthew chapter 7, and we're looking at verses 1 through 6, and the standard we're looking at is the English Standard Version. That's the translation. Judge not that you will not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you see, you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Lace, they trample them on the foot, and turn to attack you. So let's define judge, and then we're going to define judgment. So let's go judge first. Judge, to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. And judgment. Judgment is the mental ability to understand something from an opinion and reach a decision. So, for, so you know, so far, what we see is to judge is to have an opinion about what we believe is right and wrong. Now, the context of this opinion matters along with what is influencing you to make the choice. And that matters. Let's also add the place from which you make the choice matters. What I mean by place is the status, the position you're in when you're making these choices. In Hebrew, the term judge is sof, S-H-O-F-E-T, sof, which means ruler, a kind of military leader, or deliverer from potential or actual defeat. So the status of judge matters because what helps is if the person can be aligned and associated with understanding. This is key because without understanding, then the judge is biased, cold-hearted, and unrighteous. I'll say this again. So the status of the judge matters because what helps is if the person, the judge, can be aligned and associated with understanding. This is key because without understanding, then the judge is biased, cold-hearted, and unrighteous in their decision. Now let's unpack judgment, and it means it is being based upon what? the mental ability to understand something, and then make an informed decision. That needs to be sound, based upon a standard that takes things into consideration. Say that again. Judgment means is that it's being based upon what? When you judge, the judgment that you make is based upon what? The mental ability to understand something and then make an informed decision that needs to be sound based upon a standard that takes things into consideration. Let's be clear. We all judge regularly. 
we make judgment calls all the time. The scripture is not saying not to judge. It's saying how we go about making judgments shouldn't always need to be reevaluated. Again, we all judge regularly. We make judgments calls all the time. The scripture is not saying not to judge. It's saying how we go about making judgments need to be reevaluated. Okay? Think about this for a second. When I broke down the definition of judge, I spoke about the status of the judger. I spoke about bias based upon what we think is right, what is wrong. I spoke about the context of the issue along with what influences our decisions. Now, I know this is a lot, but you need to keep these things in mind as we dive deeper into the issue of judging others. Now, the issue that arises when we judge others is we are quick to criticize. The issue that arises when we judge others is that we are quick to criticize. Let's define that. Criticize means to indicate the faults of someone or something in a disapproving way. So there are a lot of things I've benefited from majoring philosophy. And one of them is learning, admiring, and desiring to be understanding. I may not agree, but my desire is to understand the person's position. Part of understanding is listening and comprehension. I believe we all can improve in this area. When we criticize, we don't leave room for that. And therefore, it can be seen as unfair. We condemn. We condemn. Let's define that as well. To condemn means to declare something to be reprehensible, wrong, or evil. So the issue with that, especially in our society today, is the impact it can have. The value of your last name. Right. Your last name means everything. It carries a lot of things. Scripture says that your last name is worth more than gold. And the reason why this matters is because people in society now have a desire and want to be the first to break news. They also want to be the first to comment on the news that's provided. They want to be the first to be critical. And unfortunately, in this process, your image gets damaged. As myself and Daniel spoke about last week, the voice of public opinion, the voice of public opinion can be fined, can find you guilty. And this comes without reservation on the map. I repeat that again. The voice of public opinion in this day and age can find you guilty immediately. And this usually comes without reservation on the matter. There are plenty of times the narrative gets found out to be wrong. But guess what? We don't tend to have a lot of people being willing to say sorry and take accountability for the damaging things that happen to a person. This is something that we have to contend with in 2023. So criticizing and condemning leads to unfair 
and undeserving judgments on others. Now let's talk about the root of unfair judgments and where it stems from. So myself and Daniel did an episode called The Error of Self-Righteousness. It's a part one and a part two. Part one is episode 27. Part two is episode 50. And what makes this an issue has everything to do with a presumed status of superiority of being a Christian. What makes this an issue has everything to do with a presumed status of superiority of being a Christian. It's an attitude of assuming the office of a judge. The truth of the matter is, someone has to say it, and as believers, it's rather unfortunate that a lot of us do behave this way, but we shouldn't behave this way. Now, of course, I'm going to provide context and scriptures to support some of the claims that I've made thus far. You know, I've never been a fan of that type of arrogance. Of what, exactly? When people have a strong belief in their faith. Mm-hmm. And... They look through their noses at other people. I've never been a, I've never been a big fan of that. Well, hopefully today we can humble. Hopefully today we can humble them, and it's something that's been going on for a very long time. And I believe what we have today can raise a red flag on why it's a problem. So let's begin by looking at this verse. We're going to go to Romans chapter fourteen. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in the NLT. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's always right to eat anything, but another believer who with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master would judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they would stand and receive his approval. All right, very good. So the dangers of criticism happens right here in this passage. As believers, we need to remember that all of us live our lives on different levels and arrive in different stages and happen in different seasons. Truth be told, it happens faster for some and slow for others. The key was beautifully put by Paul when he said, Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? It's a good question, right? Who names you judge, jury, and executioner? And the reason why this passage is extremely important, and I want to kind of break it down a little bit differently here before we move on to the next passage, which is rather extremely important as well, is that as believers, because we're living and operating on different levels, how a person has been saved also dictates the time they need to embrace everything. And not everybody embraces all scripture right away. Obviously, the goal eventually is to believe scripture to be true, foundational, and to point us in the right direction on how to live. But there are others that are vacating the lifestyle that they used to live and having a hard time embracing the life that they want to live now. 
And sometimes it takes a while. But it doesn't give us cause to then convict them when we all belong in the same body of Christ. That's unacceptable. If God can accept them, we can accept them as well. Now, we don't always have to agree with everything that they do. But we have to know that it takes time for a person to come along and embrace the faith fully. And you but, know, to add on to that, mm-hmm. we shouldn't mock the person who feels convicted. Mm-hmm. I noticed that is another bad habit of believers. As when they see someone who feels convicted, they feel the need to double down and add to that feeling of conviction and whatnot. And my personal belief is already enough. The person feels convicted. The spirit is doing its job. That doesn't mean you need to come in and add your foot on the side of their neck. It's uncalled for. It's unnecessary. Somebody feels convicted and you are able to recognize that or see that. Back off, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the case and what Paul is saying is that some people can eat meat. Some people can eat vegetables and some people can eat it all. That has to do with the progressiveness. The choice, right? And we have to give people room for development and growth. And being there and supporting them should be enough. But we shouldn't bash them. And, you know, one of the passages that I've mentioned in the beginning of the new year, again, we don't believe in New Year's resolutions. We believe in themes, was the passage in Luke chapter 9. And we looked at verses 51 to 54. And what was the issue? The two disciples wanted to call down fire on heaven. And what did Jesus tell them? Jesus told them, you know, that the son of man's job is not to take lives, but to save them. And what does that mean? That means that the choice to become a believer is a choice. It's not forced on people. God does not force himself on people. One of the things I was discussing with a friend the other day, we were talking about, you know, why does God, why is it designed that God has said it for us to seek him out, right? Matthew 7, 7, NLT, asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. But specifically the NLT says, keep on asking. Another passage is Galatians 6, 9. It says, don't become weary in doing good for you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. These passages speak to the man and woman's desire to seek God out. And if you seek God out, he would eventually reveal himself to those who earnestly, book of Hebrews, seek him. So God's done that is because he doesn't want to force himself onto us. And part of loving us is loving us at a distance and giving us the ability to come to recognize our ways, come to recognize that we can't live life without God, come to recognize that if we want to live a life of fulfillment and of purpose, we have to come to our creator who's given us those reasons and those abilities to find out. So we all have to go through this individually. And some They are slow to come to this. Others, they come to it sooner. But as believers, we have to do a better job at being patient. God has been patient, and we want to reciprocate 
what God has taught us, we have to be patient with people as well. And this is very important. Now, I believe this passage will humble a lot of us as well. So let's go. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 16 through 26 in the NIV. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immortality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with, with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the key thing here, and the reason why we brought up this passage and it's going to line up with the next passage, is that the scripture is what convicts us. It's what holds us accountable. The scripture will do its job on the person that reads it and reveals it. We don't necessarily have to share this with them at verbatim. Because we too fall under the same pretenses. So, fun fact is, if you point the finger at somebody else about this, and you fall in short along with them, then you have the same destiny as well. So, the scripture doesn't just convict one person. It convicts all to those who have accepted it to be true and believe that it lines up with the way they see the world in terms of the standard of God. and therefore. I think it's well put that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and fall short. And therefore, none of us can escape what the standard of God. So, believer or non-believer, right? Because there are still believers that are still practicing some of these things, unfortunately. That's the difficulty of trying to master and work on rejecting the flesh. It's a never-ending battle. We deal with this on a consecutive basis. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to look specifically at verses 9 to 11. Just these two and you'll see why when we get there. Do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All right, beautiful. So the key here is verse 11. And that is, 
That is what some of you were. And that is what some of you were. Now, you would think if you were once that, you would understand what it's like to be judged and hypocritically by others, especially if they claim to be Christian. Right? Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, this. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 19. Why do you call me good? No one is essentially and morally good except God alone. Gospel of John chapter 8 verse 7 also says, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So the point is made again in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, specifically verse 11, and it says this. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So the goal, of course, is to never practice being sinful and unrepentant but have mercy on those who are where you used to be you have to have mercy on those who are where you used to be and they may not say it but they want to be where you are of course if you're living right and that takes time they need time. So the suggestion here is when you judge, do so in accordance with mercy and the standard of measurement that is fair. Do not, I repeat, do not reciprocate behavior that was dished out towards you to be better. The goal is for you to be better as ambassadors and representatives of Christ. Right? Amen. And the reason why I'm saying that is because some of us that we're living this way, we have those bashing us and being foul to us and not being fair. And I don't think we should reciprocate that behavior. I think that if we're reading the scriptures truly and understanding what it has to say, again, patience is key. It's a virtue. It's actually part of love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envy. It's not boasted. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It keeps no records of wrongs. We have to truly look at some of these verses and try our best. Let the spirit work on us in regards to how we need to implement those sort of things when it comes to dealing with others. And just never forget where you once were. Don't let it get to your head. And don't think you're better than other people. One thing I like to say often is that the only difference between me and the unbelievers is that I know Jesus Christ and I have a relationship. But guess what? Being vulnerable and having access to sin without Christ, I can be just like any of doesn't have Christ. We are not that far apart from being just like everyone in the world who has rejected Christ and has decided to live for their own desires, their own pleasurement, and what they want out of life. So I want to make sure that I'm clear when I say, don't fall 
into this belief that you couldn't backslide. You couldn't go back to where you once were. Or be arrogant in that way. Now let's unpack verses 3 through 5. And I love this verse so much. And you're going to find out why. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to the take the speck out of your brother's eye. So when you think of a speck and a log, they are definitely different in effect. Right? A speck is just a tiny spot. A log is a trunk or a large branch that has been fallen or has been cut off. So it's safe to say one will blind you while the other will barely affect your desire to see. You know what's funny about that, though? Okay. Whether it's a speck or a log, they're both a hindrance. Very true. Very true. Now, if you're blind and can't see anything, it's best that you keep your opinion to yourself. Why? Because your opinion doesn't matter, right? It has no value. You don't have the perspective of anything. and You basically can't help because your advice is not needed. And yet, and yet, when you think about it, there are those who are exactly in this position and still offer advice, which to me is crazy. I don't quite understand it. Never made sense to me. But it's something that happens. And if we don't have any vision, it's safe to say that our expertise are limited, right? Simple and yet obvious, but not to everyone else, sadly. Having a spec really is insignificant when compared to a large cut off fallen branch. But as Daniel said, something that I didn't consider and I appreciate it, he believes both of them are a hindrance, and I believe it to be true. Because what's interesting is that even though it may be a speck, it can grow into something much more larger. So don't look at it as a speck, as something rather of insignificance. So I want to take that back. I said a speck is insignificance in comparison to a log, but a speck is not something you should completely ignore. It's something that you should be watchful of. Would you agree? Yep. Okay. The lesson here is if we plan to be helpful in an asset, we need to remove that log so we can see clearly to take the speck out, please. Not the other way around, right? If you need the help, don't go trying to help others when you haven't even helped yourself. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but that is the behavior of some of us. I know, I know, right? There's a desire to help others, but don't overlook your situation and ignore your own problems and issues because. We need healthy and mentally stable people helping those in need. So no one is compromised or taken advantage of. Amen? All right, so let's finish with verse 6. Do not give that which is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, for they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know, there's a very unique verse here look at it in several ways but to simply put i believe it said it really means do not waste good things on people who would not appreciate them simply put do not waste good things on people who would not appreciate them 
Now, we can look at this in so many ways. And, you know, sometimes we are prisoners of certain circumstances. Sometimes it's because we don't know better or haven't seen better. And therefore, we, we actually do this to ourselves and we remain closed off from much more improved quality. Right? It's hard to try new things. It takes courage to expose yourself to new experiences. Sometimes, unfortunately, we can be so comfortable that we don't want to take the chance. Sometimes, in a lot of cases, we have to leave people behind as a result of that. The wisdom that we've received or obtained isn't always for everyone. So don't be discouraged. And I've had that happen to me quite often. I see it happen to others. Sometimes the wisdom that you have is for you. It's not for anyone else. And you start to see that because the way that you've seen it and how it has impacting you, somebody's either grown past it or haven't they haven't got to that maturity standard to where they can appreciate and embrace the wisdom that you're sharing. Right? The way you're thinking ahead, others haven't caught up to it yet. And that's fine because in a lot of cases, you can see them as late bloomers or you you can also understand and appreciate the fact that this is life. This is what happens to people. Anything you want to add there in regards to realizing that wasting good things on people that don't appreciate them is something that happens quite often and something that you have to be aware of when it comes to information or things you want to do because you think it can be helpful or beneficial to that person reminds me of something that uh green goblin said to spider-man and i think andrew the one andrew garfield was playing as he was beating uh peter park up and he said you know strong enough to have it all but too weak to take it wow hmm Okay. And what that means is right back into verse 6. Do not give that which is holy to dogs and not throw your pearls before pigs. For they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Same exact concept. Okay, with that being said, let's end with devotional time. Speaking of strong enough to have it all and too weak to take it, sometimes we need a little bit of encouragement. In the book of Joshua, ironically, chapter 1, verse 6 in the NIV says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, Joshua has seen God descend in a cloud at the tent of meeting. And God told him, be strong and courageous, or you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them. That's out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, since Joshua had just seen the Lord and heard his audible voice, why did the Lord encourage him again? Shouldn't once have been enough to encourage Joshua for the rest of his life? No. God knew he needed further encouragement. So often, you, like Peter, move forward in faith and step out of the boat 
but then the waves rise around you and your encouragement wavers. Now, when I was talking about Peter here, I wasn't talking about Peter Parker. I was actually talking about Peter from the Bible, one of the disciples. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 23, it said, God knew that Joshua would be leading a fearful people into a difficult situation and he needed continued reassurance. How often do you find yourself looking in fear at your circumstances rather than looking to God? You too need to find continued reassurance by daily searching the scriptures and by asking for the strength of God's spirit. So, with the theme of asking for encouragement, let's say this prayer. Bow your head, close your eyes, and say the following. Lord, my faith has faltered me many times. And I have often turned to you in your word for encouragement and faith. Thank you for your continual, unfailing encouragement. And please give me strength. And all those in agreement say, Amen. Amen.